You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and thanks for joining me here on this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on tonight's show I'm going to be talking to guests in County Limerick during a visit to Glen Castle where I meet cook and creative extraordinaire Sam Gleeson and newly elected chair of the Irish Food Writers Guild, Kristen Jensen. I'm also in North County Dublin at the Seamus Ennis Centre for the first time and talk to Shane Parr about the development of the site and future events. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, we're going to the majestic surrounds of Glencastle in County Limerick, which was home for a weekend to an international delegation of guests who had signed up for Eman MacDonald and Cleona Prendergast's Literature and Larger Retreat. What a great opportunity to showcase some of Ireland's finest ingredients and cuisine. And the kitchen and front of house were manned by couple Neve Fox and Sam Gleeson and their adorable 10-week baby Rowan. Unfortunately, Rowan and Neve were a tad microphone shy, but luckily Sam was a willing interviewee. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sam, it's lovely to meet you here in Glencastle. Thank you. Uh, you have a very eclectic type of life, I would imagine, having yeah. chatted to you. You're living up in, in La Hinch at the moment. Yeah, we are just out of the main throng of the beach, so we get nice quiet when this season kicks in. We disappear up over the hill and we live in the woods, uh, have a nice little farm up there and we can hide away. And tell me, are you from that neck of the woods? I'm not. I was born uh, near Cambridge and then I grew up uh, there for a while and then down into Devon. And then I've lived all around the world and I arrived in Ireland about eight years ago on a whim and uh, met the guys from the Fumbly was doing some work with them and then disappeared again for a while. And then when they found the building for the family, I came back for a month and ended up staying ever since. So it's been an interesting journey. And what were you working on whenever you were involved with the Fumbly? Um Before the Fumbly existed, we were doing the flea market cafe and a falafel stand and festival food with the lads. And then when the family started, we built it. And then I was one of the first chefs for about a year and a half, two years. So are you a qualified chef? Is that what your background is? Uh, no, I'm self-taught. Um, I grew up in a very simple food background and uh, I got into food at school. I was very lucky with my school. We had a, an old house that was part of the school grounds that used to run wedding catering. And the man that ran the wedding catering kind of got me into food and got me cooking and enjoying cooking. And then when I left school, I travelled the world with some skills. I worked in a really nice restaurant in Sydney and that kind of honed. I walked in for a dinner that just opened up that day. I didn't know. I chatted to the owner and uh, we got on really well. And he's like, oh, if you want a job, come by tomorrow. Let's see how you go. Um it was a team of, I think there were 10 of us under 30, um, all interesting, weird and wonderful people right on the beach. I could go surfing. I did a breakfast shift and a nighttime shift. I could surf all during the day. And 
if I wanted to cook my own dinner, the head chef and the sous chef would teach me by me actually cooking and then stand next to me. So that's how I learned their menu. And it just sort of pushed my skill level up on that. Your love of surfing, is that what took you over to La Hinch in County Clare? Yes, totally. Um, there's a whole group of us there now with the Food Association as well. Um, Moy Hill Community Farm has grown up with three ex-pro surfers who decided to stop flying around the world and grow vegetables instead. We've, uh, we've kind of joined the gang as well. It's really nice having them as our neighbours and friends. Um, there's amazing waves there and the community that's built up around that is really good. And we're now able to sort of dive into that with our food as well and bring what Neve and I do. Um, La Hinch is definitely not a culinary centre of Ireland at all. So it's kind of nice taking our skills, putting that into the local community. We're doing pop-up dinners. Um, our house is very much an open house get people around all the time we grow all our own vegetables we had our own pigs last year i have friends that have culling licenses so you come home some days and there's a deer hanging in the shed that's been left for you um there's a nice bar to going on with the lads up at moy hill i help them plant trees and bits and bobs i give them a little bit of hand with design work and then we get free plants or free salad or advice on our polytunnels from them so it's a lovely place to be. Well, let's talk about some of the things that they grow there because the menus over the weekend have really been a reflection and have incorporated a lot of those in- ingredients. So let's start on Friday night. Can you remember what you served up on Friday night? Uh, Friday night was the fish. Um, with, again, very lucky with suppliers. There is a, another friend, um, Kira, up at the Flaggy Shore. Um, they have oysters and they get we get a lot of our wet fish through them. Um, then the greens are coming out of the farm at the minute. Particular favourite, I don't know if you remember it, is the winter purslane. Yeah, with a really, really long, long stem. Stock. So yeah, that's been yeah. growing. That's just coming to the end of the season in the polytunnel for the boys at the minute. So it's sort of knee-high swathes of green. Um, they've got, I think their veg box scheme starts next month. So at the minute they're frantically eating their way through salad and replanting everything. Um, and then we've had all our herbs uh, from them as well and some amazing rocket. Um, it, the guy that does all their seeding is called Mitch and Mitch's passion about growing plants is incredible. Um, Ferg's knowledge of it all, I guess, Ferg's dad uh, was the first guy in Ireland to make a one-acre site profitable as a market garden business. Wow. Ferg was off busy earning mega money as a starry-eyed Irish professional surfer and not really falling into the category of that and then suddenly realised what was going on, seen what his dad was doing and that's where his background comes from. And then Matt uh, is kind of just enjoying learning about it all but watching all three produce all this vegetables and us being able to, to use it and jump in is fantastic. It's um, a real inspiring place. You go up each week and watch different beds evolving. They always have an army of volunteers there. So 
my lowly vegetable garden at home, it gets a bit depressing sometimes. You go up on the farm and you're like, oh my God, they managed to do this in a week. And that really inspires you, doesn't it? It's inspiring yeah. and it's infuriating. <laughs> like I, I'm there plodding away. but um, You have plot envy. Yes, but it's good. Like this year, in the last few weeks, we've just started getting everything ready again. Um, we've just planted a forest of nearly a thousand trees on our land. And that's been really not like, especially with the arrival of our son, um, he got to plant his first rowan tree, hence his name, um, which was as big as him. So over the next years, he's going to be able to watch that grow. That's going to become firewood for us. Uh, current plans for this year are wood-fired pizza oven and outdoor kitchen in the house. So that's going to fuel all of that. Wood-fired hot tub at some point. So it's just uh, a very nice project to have your own space and land and grow all your own stuff. Sustainability is very important to you and the environment is very important to you. Um, definitely. I A long, long time ago, I did environmental chemistry at university. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I nearly did an art degree and I plumbed for the science degree. And it's kind of, it's interesting how it comes in a big long route all the way back. Um, it's always been something I'm interested in. And I guess with the surfing as well, you're immersed in water all the time. You're in an environment uh, and traveling for it as well. You're very aware of sort of the quality of the environment around you and what happens. And it's really interesting then what you say about the arts, that you were going to do um, an arts degree because... You are clearly a very creative person, having talked to you over the weekend, and your knives, you make beautiful knives. Yes, thanks. Um, so, yeah, the knives and the furniture. Um, I grew up with a dad who made things. He uh, had a workshop on the side of our house, and he made parts for vintage car engines. So there's photos of me at one years old with a spanner in my hand in the workshop, and my earliest memories of time with him are having dirty hands making things um by six years old i had a workshop of my own and he'd made me a wood turning lathe out of an old lawnmower engine and myself and another friend had a little business that we set up called ss handyman and we were making bits on the on the lathe and making candlesticks and stuff like that um now the knives are really nice i've been learning um the last two years with Fingal Ferguson. He's a good friend. We cook together a lot. Uh, he kind of introduced me to it one weekend for a laugh. We were down. He's like, come into the workshop. Come and make a knife. You'll like this. Uh, within an hour, I was hooked. He sent me home with a few more bits to play with. And it's just grown and grown from there. So we try and hang out as much as we can. Fingal's six or seven years down the line from my work at the minute so it's really nice having his skill level pushing me on to different things um he pushed me to have my first sale um nathan outlaw very kindly got some knives off me wow so that's kind of growing and growing and because of island such a small place if you work in food and you work in enjoyable food around like-minded people people know your work very quickly so the furniture people already knew from the family the minute I started making knives everyone's like what's he doing now what's going on so I already have a 14 month waiting list for them uh I'm trying to 
slowly catch that back. But again, like what we're saying with our son, it's really nice to have some time with him and still have workshop time, but not feel the pressure. When I make furniture, I have to put in an eight hour day to, to keep the flow of the work going and know how the wood is working and things like that. When I'm making knives, there's a batch of knives on the go. They might only need two to three hours work a day and then the next day and the next day because you're gluing up and waiting for something to happen or something to cool down or the forge needs to heat up for a few hours. So you can take the dogs for a walk, put Rowan in the sling, light the forge, off you go, come back a while later, beat out some steel. He's having a little nap. It's a really nice lifestyle. The way you describe that process there of making the knives is very reflective of being in the kitchen and cooking in the kitchen. You know, um, there's something very zen about it, even the way you talk about it. There's something very relaxing about it for you, that it's something that you really enjoy doing, that you don't find it stressful. Um, I think the lovely thing of it is it's so many different skills together. It's like I love the woodwork when I make furniture. I'm really into native Irish hardwoods, um, windblown trees, things like that. I get to take that bit of it when I'm making a handle. The steelwork amazes me. I'm just learning the blacksmithing side of it. And there's centuries of knowledge that I'm just touching on. And it's so much fun. Like you get a piece of metal, you put it in the fire, you get a big hammer and you bash it around. And at some point you turn it into this thing of beauty that is actually one of the most useful things in your life. Um, There's a lovely book by a guy called Tim Hayward, I think his name is, called Knife. And he has the passion of the knives and he takes you through like knife patterns from around the world and what knives are to him. And he's right, it probably is the single most useful thing you have in your house, but like it has been a weapon. It's been all sorts through the ages, yet we all have knives in our kitchen. If you eat baked beans for tea every day and are not a chef, you've probably still got a bread knife and a a knife and fork knife and maybe a butter knife. If you're a high-end chef, you've probably got a whole roll of lovely knives to be at your disposal for work. And in between that, there's a huge uh, spectrum of people that want something to use whether you go to the supermarket and buy a 10 quid knife from there or you take your time and contact a craftsperson and buy something handmade like when you make food you can go to mcdonald's you can get your fast food you can go to a really nice restaurant we all have barriers in between neither and i eat well um we don't do fine dining every single night but we have lovely ingredients all the time we eat very simply um, and you're great at using those ingredients in your your work and you do is it in a style in Anna Steinman that you do pop-up restaurants uh mostly yes we've just started those last year so we did a few before Rome was born um we're just getting back into the swing of things now that he's coming along so we're trying to bring uh different food from around the world uh, on a what once a month basis while we're getting our feet back and then hopefully we'll go to twice a month and each dinner is themed around a type of food so it could be a japanese night it could be a mexican night it could we did a burger night when our pigs had been slaughtered we made beautiful handmade burgers 
So it's just trying to bring what we've both traveled a lot and what mostly for me it's all about surfing when I travel but it's eating as well and finding ingredients and seeing what local people are doing um and for Neve as well Neve's traveled all over the place she's worked all over the place it's really enjoyable way when you travel to to feel what the local community is doing and going to we got married in Sri Lanka and we ended up working with a local guy uh, who was going to be a chef for a friend of mine's charity um, for school kids. So we were seeing what he was like as a chef and at the same time we got amazing experience to see firsthand, go down the market with him at 4am, pick up the fish, lovely little clay pots for collecting all the yoghurt that they eat and all these different little pieces that you put together and then you bring it home turn it into something and then give it to to hopefully a fair few people we're really there's probably i'd say if we're doing well we get a minimum of 100 people which is great it's amazing you know probably half of them and the other half is this sort of rolling 50 they come in and out sometimes there's a few tourists there sometimes there's not um, it's a tiny little kitchen with a tiny little window, so you can't really see what's going on, but you just always see friendly faces waving at you through it. And it's it's a nice thing to share with your mates and give them part of your enjoyment, I guess, of around the world. So. You sound like you're very nomadic, like you like to travel <laughs> and go to different places. You're in County Clare at the moment. Do you see your future there or are you kind of live for the moment, see where life takes you or do you have a plan for the future? Um, because obviously you've had your baby ruined now yeah. and that, you know, as a parent myself, like life is, you see life differently whenever you have children. Definitely. Not in a bad way. It just, it does change. I feel it change. It did yeah. for me. Did it um, for you? It has been, I think for both of us, we were... Uh, very much here and now see what was going on um the whole we bought our house my dad died three years ago i inherited uh what i thought was going to be a whole heap of paperwork and problems and when i went through all his stuff it turned out we actually owned his house and through uh, various courses we managed to sell it and we managed to buy this lovely little place over here at the same time as that happening, we were like, oh, what should we do? Like, we'll put an offer on it. If it doesn't, if it gets it, we'll move. If it doesn't, we were going to go and live in a van in New Zealand for two years and just go and enjoy traveling again. Um, and now Rowan's, I, I really want to travel with Rowan. Um, it's something I've seen before I lived in Ireland. I lived in West Africa with some very good childhood friends and they were the first friends in our group uh, that had children so their two kids are like my surrogate kids I've grown up with them from naught to five years old and we still get to see each other a lot now and we have such an amazing bond and to live on a tropical beach with young kids has been incredible like we'd take them in the sea at the end of every day when they're a bit bigger I'd take them surfing loads and loads of fun um so I guess all of what you said is true. Yes, I still kind of do feel a bit nomadic. Yes, I do feel settled. And I think we've 
bought our house with the view that this is probably where we will live for the rest of our lives as a general overview but equally we're viewing maybe in the next couple of years we're trying to disappear off for a year or two rent a house to friends or something find a house swap and um, go and take Rowan somewhere nice to start uh, hopefully an interest in being around the world and different people well, you definitely can tell from talking to you that you you know you have a bit of a travel bug there. You feel a bit <laughs> conflicted between the yeah, let's have a home, let's have an anchor, but let's go and travel as well. So I have no doubt you will get the balance there and and make it all work. You're me. You have a fabulous little boy there. He's only what ten weeks. Yeah. And as good as gold all weekend, helping you there. Yeah, keeping, he's been loving it. Yeah, keeping you smiling in the kitchen. You and Neve have served up some fantastic food. If listeners want to find out a bit more about you and what you do, where is the best place for them to go to? Um, you can either have a quick look on uh, my website, which is thisiswhatido.ie, or you can have a look on our Instagrams, which is Neve Fox with a double I, or uh, this is what we do with a double O and uh, see what you think it's nice to share it with you so fantastic thanks for chatting with me thanks so much for talking to me today it's been great it's a joy. thank you you're listening to the best possible taste with Sharon Noonan sponsored by the taste.ie voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was talking to Sam Gleeson, cook and creative, about food, travelling, knives and lots more. If you missed that and you're just tuning in now, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, we'll find out what the Seamus Ennis Centre in North County Dublin is all about when I talk to Shane Parr. Next, though, we're returning to Glyn Castle. Kristen Jansen is an accomplished food writer and editor and co-author of two books, Slauncha and, most recently, Saturday Pizzas. She was part of a panel at the Literature and Larger Weekend and shared her knowledge and expertise about cookbook editing. But Kristen is also a member of the Irish Food Writers Guild and was recently elected elected as its chair. The Guild was formed in 1990 to promote high professional standards of knowledge and practice among writers about food, nutrition, food history and other allied matters and to assist in the forging of links and networks between professionals in the food industry. I spoke to Kristen about her appointment and the role that the Guild plays in Ireland's food scene. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Congratulations, Kristen, on your new role with the Irish Food Writers Guild. You're the chair now. Yes, just as of this week at our AGM, I was, you know, very honoured to be elected to to that role um, and humbled, you know, to represent the food writers and to try to fulfil our mission to be a voice for better eating in Ireland. Now, you have been a member for a number of years. Yes, um, maybe five or six years now. And for the past three years, I was the secretary. So is it a three-year rule, each position you take it on for three years? Yes, yes. Which is quite a long time, but I would imagine, really, it's good to take a rule for that number of Absolutely. years. Because you can be more effective and you can really get into it. Like exactly. a year can go well, past. It's a steep learning curve. Exactly. It's a, it's a 
not as long as it sounds, you know, on paper. And it's a steep learning curve your first year. And then, of course, then you get the benefit of your past experience and the continuity of people on the committee. Like it, it's we've often had it where the secretary naturally evolves into the chair role. So there's great, you know, depth of experience then to kind of see things through. And you were saying there about what the objective of the organization is. It is about creating awareness and raising the profile of the wonderful food that we have here in Ireland and encouraging people really to be more aware about what they're eating. Absolutely. Well, and in, in, in various ways, you know, whether that's um, through things like wonderful artisan producers and you know, recipes, but also maybe more politically uh, oriented subjects like labeling and health and education. One of the ways that you raise the profile about the great ingredients that are out there is you have an annual awards lunch and you recognize different producers and different products. Tell us about the most recent winners. Right. So we had our I think it was our 25th awards, actually. Um, so these have been going since the early 90s. And this was just happened last month. And we have uh, we celebrate the award winners at a lunch, as you said, every year. And this for the past three years, we've had it at Restaurant Patrick Gibo. Um, unfortunately, this was our last year with them. So we'll be moving to a new uh, equally fabulous venue now as of next year. Uh, but it's a it's a wonderful way to shine a spotlight on people producing really excellent food and doing really excellent work. So some of um, our winners this past year were we have we have several different categories. So we have food products, drink, environmental award, and a, a new award, um, a community food award. This I think was our only our third year. So that's still something we're, we're developing. So our um, two food producers we had Connemara Smokehouse uh, smoked mackerel. We had Baltimore bacon. Then our drink awards was Cockajee Irish Cider, which is a really unique product because it's the only keeved cider made in Ireland, which is a natural fermentation process, a beautiful cider. We also have an organization that was Jenny McNally. Uh, she has an organic farm in Dublin and would be supplying lots of you know Dublin restaurants and cafes. Our environmental award went to St. Tola Goat's Cheese. And our community food award went to Sligo Global Kitchen. Um, they work with, they're an organization kind of a grassroots organization that works with um, direct provision, you know, people in direct provision and having a monthly meal where it's just open to the public and also obviously to other people in direct provision coming together to cook together. And then not every year, but in exceptional circumstances, we award a Lifetime Achievement Award. And this year we awarded that to the Ferguson family. So that's Gina Ferguson, uh, Fingal Ferguson, their daughter Clovis Ferguson, you know, just real powerhouses in the Irish food scene for their cheese and charcuterie. And of course, Fingal also does his knives and Clovis does herbs. Like as a family, they've made a singular, you know, contribution to the Irish food landscape. So it was wonderful to be able to recognize them and um, highlight them on, on our, our awards lunch. And I'd say that lunch is a fairly nice lunch to be at <laughs> in restaurant Patrick Gibo, that you give the ingredients to the, the chef there and then he comes up with a fantastic menu. Yes, exactly. So once we, we have our awards judging meeting in November, and I should point out that what makes our awards unique is that uh, you can't enter yourself. So it's you, guild members nominate products that they have, you know, come across in the past year or just, you know, or people that they think are really outstanding. And it's completely done anonymously. We pay for all the products. We bring them to uh, the board bill offices where we have our uh, meeting because some of the products need to be cooked and they have the facilities there where we can do that. 
And so nobody knows they've been nominated and they only find out they have been nominated and won when they get a letter from us, you know, telling them so. So unfortunately, they have to keep it under their hats for a few months. You I'd know. say that's pretty difficult. Oh, it must be really difficult because they find out in November and the awards lunch happens in March and they can't breathe a word of it to anybody, you know. So but in the uh, in the intervening time, yes, we then get in contact with the chef, tell him what the award winning products are. And he develops a, a menu around that. So it's a wonderful way to spend a Wednesday afternoon, for sure. You know, it's, it's no hardship to have a lunch at Patrick Ebo. <laughs> and whenever you're doing your, your judging session in Board B, uh, like, is there a panel of you? Do you nominate people in the Guild to do that part of it? Or it's a case of this is the day that we're doing it. So if you want to turn up. Absolutely. So all members participate, you know, not obviously not all members will nominate a product in any given year. I mean, which is just as well because it goes on for hours as it is. And but it's open to all members to come and taste and judge. And we judge by proportional representation. So it's all extremely you know, fair and open and transparent and, like I say, an anonymous, you know, so nobody knows they're being nominated. They can't put themselves forward. So it's a really um, has a lot of integrity behind the system and the awards and is really highly regarded in the industry, in the food scene in Ireland. Absolutely. And a, and a wonderful accolade for food producers to get. It's one of those ones that I'm sure many of them would just really love to have. They do. Yeah. That is the feedback we get. And in fact, um, the people at St. Tola even said like, oh, this this is the feather in our cap now. Like, you know, they've won, won loads of awards, but they hadn't won one from us. So like, oh, we're delighted to get it, which is wonderful to hear, you know, that it is so highly respected and it means a lot to people. And they get tremendous coverage afterwards in all the national media, you know, papers, magazines, radio, television. Uh, so it really opens doors for them as well, you know, and puts them in touch with a whole new caliber of, uh, you know, restaurants and, and markets. Well, congratulations again on the new role. Um, it's it's always great to see a new face and a new role and somebody that I know well. So I wish you all the best with it. And <laughs> thanks, thanks very much. And thanks for talking to me today. Thanks, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was in Glyn Castle talking to Kristen Jensen, Chair of the Irish Food Writers Guild and earlier in the programme Sam Gleeson, cook and creative, discussed surfing pop-ups and making high-end luxury exclusive knives. If you're just tuning in you can catch up on all of that on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app and it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. So finally tonight we're at our last interview and we're going to North County Dublin. Have you come across the Seamus Ennis Centre in the Nall? I certainly hadn't. So it was great to visit it recently and find out all about it from Shane Parr. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Shane, we're here in Nall in County North Dublin. Yeah. What a gem of a place. Tell me how it all began. It started as a very small, as I said, I was just showing you around the, 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 our premises. The cafe was a sort of hub of it, really, and it's become a village hub. But it started as, as just the cafe with the occasional event. And it was very traditional music focused, yeah, obviously around Seamus Ennis and as a traditional musician and archivist and folklore collector. So he spent the last few years of his life in the village. His family were from here originally. He's born in Finglas, 
but uh, so it's, it was sort of a commemorative thing around Seamus and then over the years that was back in 2000 and over the years it's expanded physically and then also our programs sort of become a bit more diverse so as well as a focus on traditional music we would do a lot of roots Americana and then also cinema events comedy so it's expanded the program as well as the as the premises over the last what 18 years and the premises are so quirky because it was a post office this was the yeah this was the, this was the post office in the village and it, I suppose back in those days it was the hope of the village it was the hope of activity and it's, it sort of remained that it was, was closed it was, the building was derelict for a few years and we've been very lucky with the support of Fingal County Council for re- restoring the premises and then obviously financial support for ourselves to, to keep the art centre going keep it alive and, and make it as well as the hope of the community it's sort of become a hub for, for music and you know regionally and nationally as well I get a great sense of collaboration and working together from all different sides of the community here in the village. There's not a big population here. No, it's quite small. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know the census figures to hand, but I reckon there's probably within the null or people with a null address, there's probably maybe up to four or five hundred, maybe six hundred people at the, at the most who would, who would live in the immediate area or have it in null. But our audience, as I said, it comes from, depending on what we've got on, music-wise or event-wise, that could come from as far as, you know, Wicklow, north, up Newry, Belfast. So it's, yeah, we've, we cover a lot of ground. Well, it doesn't surprise me that they come from far and wide because the programme is so eclectic and it's a very impressive programme. Tell us about some of the people that you have coming over the next few months. Over the next few months, we're just gearing up for our summer program which over the last three years we've moved outside outdoors um, and that's become uh, sort of focus of the last two or three years but it's, again that's been developing so uh, last year for example we had Donovan the sort of 60s icon uh, Stockton's Wing um, and around those events we there is a sort of a food focus here with, with the cafe on site so we try to offer you know drink food and and experience as well as just the, the music events itself. So this summer we're, we have a few things pinned down with a band called Usher's Island, which would have been half of Planksty. Um, it's a sort of a traditional music supergroup, and with them coming in July. We're also doing some outdoor cinema events this year as well, some family-friendly things as well, and then dance events, which we're currently trying to pin it down and get start the publicity rolling on that, um, hoping to attract a, you know, a wider audience, bigger audience for... And again, there'll be more... Not just music, it'll be, a, a, I suppose, an event. So, be, again, food, drink, hospitality, music, dance, whatever. I see you've Alison Spittle coming and Des yeah. Bishop. So the comedy side of things is hugely popular. Yeah, it started um, as an occasional thing we would do. Um, it, it, I mean, the venue's, you know, it, it's, it, it's compact and small. So we're sort of restricted in what we can do. We can't go, you know, too, too big. But people like, seem to like coming here to perform. Um, there's a nice sense of you know intimacy in the venue itself, and even with the outdoor space, even though we can hold up to five, six hundred people, um, there's just that nice sense of intimacy about it. So, yeah, the, the comedy thing has developed, and we run a regular comedy club um, called the Lal in Nall, uh, usually the last Friday of the month, and then that's built up a reputation over the last four or five years. Um, so then the word about that has obviously spread, and comedians again see it as a, a venue that they can come and you know get a appreciative audience because there's no bar in the room in the venue itself 
Um, so this, you sort of have an attentive audience, a more attentive audience. So they come in, they might, you know, they'll bring, they'll have their food and drink before or after the, or during the show, and um, when they leave the venue to go back into the cafe. But it's a very attentive space, and people obviously like performers like that sense of people come here to listen to them. You know. And in the cafe, you've a very good chef, John, who's very committed to using locally sourced ingredients, which you have an, an abundance of in this area. Yeah, there's lots of local food. Producers and providers, we try and plug into that, and then twice a year we would have a food uh, fair, um, indoors and also outdoors. So you know stalls and covered canopies, etc. And that's again grown hugely in the last few years. So and then Christmas we would do a Christmas food and craft fair, um, and then just let that would take over the entire space. And it's a real drop-in thing. People can sort of come in, walk around the entire building, and there's you know there's something in every corner. So, uh, yeah, we tried to be as locally focused as possible. One of our, the person, the person on site, Colette Lawless, who looks after that, she's not here today at the moment, but uh, it's, again, she's developed it over the last, let's say, 10 years, and it's, it's, it's become renowned as, because we're, picky isn't the right word, but we're sort of, she would be quite selective in her choice of people that will come in and not to duplicate products, et cetera, et cetera. So people, when they know when they come here, there's a good range of stuff and it's as locally sourced as we can find. And you're selling some products in the cafe there and one product, um, did I hear John the chef saying that he was the first stockist of it and then somebody said their first award was a Blossnerin Irish Food yeah, Award. Yeah, that's right. Um, this, the, the Big Red Kitchen. Um, they were, I think the first food fair they did to sort of showcase their, their produce was as part of our food fair. And then as a result, they, the cafe have started selling their, their produce as well. So there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of others who I can't pull their names to mind at the moment, but they started here, if you like, you know, which is, which is a great thing to have that you, you can get, get that sense of that you're nurturing, not only for us, obviously, because our, our focus is on arts and music, etc. But that I think food and drink, hospitality, you know, complements that so well. So it's great to be plugged into that network as well, you know, and you can offer people uh, at an event, you know. And a whole experience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like speaking of Bloss and Aaron, you're doing an event with them in June where there's going to be producers invited to come. And it's like the backyard at Bloss that they had in Dingle last year where they'll have different speakers to share their experiences and knowledge and expertise. Yeah, we're delighted. Actually, we've met now a couple of times and we're delighted that I've chosen here. Um, and we'd love to, you know, hopefully we'll see it develop Um because again, for us, it's it's not just about being exclusively a, an arts venue, or it's 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 all about what goes around that, you know. Because people want to see when they come somewhere like this that you know that, that there's a day out in it, or there's there's it's part of a bigger experience that there's food. So for us to be at, you know to be contacted by Blossom Heron, which is sort of flag flagship of Irish produce and Irish producers and Irish food. And we're all about Irish music and Irish artists, etc. So it, we're delighted to be the host. And the, I suppose we're a victim of our own success in one sense that the place has become renowned as a little destination, a venue. So to be able to plug into that network of, of food producers and see it nurtured and information being, you know, 
uh, disseminated amongst producers as well is great you know tell us about the location because people might not be familiar where Nall is and they might they probably don't realize that it's literally less than 10 minutes off the M1 between Belfast and, and Dublin people it's funny over the last few years it's we've gotten a bit of press about the location in particular because it is a bit of an oasis of calm um, even though is, our yeah. address is County Dublin I think it's 200 yards down the road from where we're sitting you're, it's the border of County Meath the Delvin River is, is the sort of borderline and then we're only further than that we're only 20 minutes away from County Loud so it's people come out and think you know this can't be still County Dublin or Dublin because it's very rural um, and we're you know blessed to be among beautiful scenery it's still there's a lot of farming activity goes around there's a lot of growing as, as you said uh, and it's renowned for, you know, sort of being the market garden of, of this neck of the woods. It is a really tranquil spot mm. and to be less than 10 minutes away from the motorway that if you want to get back into the action of it, you've no distance to go. Are you Noll born and bred yourself? No, I moved out here in 2002 and uh, got mixed up in this place. Was it was originally coming here as just a, a, a patron, I suppose, for the, for the ca- cafe and then also for some of the gigs. And then I'm a sound engineer by trade, I suppose, and got sucked in first of all as a volunteer and just to help out and, you know, support the place. And then I suppose I could say the fools offered me a job <laughs> and it went from there and I've been here ever since. And you're living in the village? Living or? about just five minutes from where we're sitting at the moment, yeah. Um, so I can, it's, I'm, you know, one of those lucky people who can walk to work in 20 minutes. Which has its advantages and disadvantages because you're, you know, you don't, you get sucked in, and it's also you, you become part of the the place. And well, it sounds like it's a very enjoyable job. And then, of course, when we really enjoy our work, it's not like work, and so then we give it a lot more time than yeah. than than the pay slip maybe yeah, recognises. Exactly. But sure, look, that's grand because we're living life and enjoying it. At exactly. least that's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's you know, when you as you said, when you're lucky enough to work in something that you enjoy and it's part of your life and it's something you've always done you know I've been involved in music since I was a kid um, and in and around the arts I suppose if you want to use the broader term but uh, yeah it's great to work in that environment you know I mean obviously there's a lot more behind the scenes stuff that goes on that you know that you get drawn into and the more you get pulled into an organisation like this where you know obviously there's a lot of admin there's a lot of background work that goes into all these events etc and that becomes part of life but it's still enjoyable you know it's great I and mean, it's a great reward when you see everything coming together in terms of plans for the future you have lots of vision there and um, for example the outdoor canopy you've plans to put one of those in place which will be a huge advantage because we can't always rely on mm. the the irish weather unfortunately yeah it's 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 suppose it's, it's a bit of security um while the events as i said will run regardless of of the weather so to speak but i think people you know, in this country, as I think as Pat Short has said, it'd be a great little country if you could put a roof on it. Um, so it just gives us that added, it's also, I suppose it's an attraction that if we have a cover over the entire space that people know hail, rain or, or rain or shine, they can come, enjoy the thing, not worry about, you know, getting lashed on or, or cold or whatever. So it, it's almost like a bit of a, a, a bonus, you know, that we can put on the events we want to do People know there's going to be a, a nice atmosphere. It's going to be great, but they're also safe in the knowledge that you know 
regardless of the weather that you know they're going to have a good time i noticed in the outdoor area that you've permeable paving there so sustainability and being environmentally friendly is something that's very important to you it is and it's something we're sort of focusing on over the next year um just we'd love to get more involved we just put actually uh did a thing with the environmental protection agency i can't remember the exact scheme but it's we basically have a water tap outside so it's free for people to obviously rock up and it's promoted that you know say a lot of cyclists would use it to refill their water bottles etc and so yeah we've been putting this plaque up on the wall to say that this is one of the stops that you can come in and fill your fill your bottles or regardless and charging points is something else that you're hoping to bring on stream yeah we've a bit of development going on uh, over the next 18 months or so um there's a site behind us which we've sort of been using as a temporary car park when we have events on ourselves. It's, uh, you know, it works for us at the moment, but uh, in conjunction again with Fingal Candy Council, we're looking to develop the space as a small public park, which will tie into the public areas in and around the, the centre itself. So, again, to be able to offer people for buses to pull in or people to pull in their cars to charge, because we're only 10 minutes off the, the M1 exit. Um, so again to try and make it a bit of a destination and an alternative to you know your garages or whatever on the motorway that you can pull in here charge your car come in for a cup of coffee maybe get a bit of information about Seamus Ennis and get an appreciation for the other stuff that we you know our main uh, body of work that we do here which is music and arts and a community garden and a playground those are other things that are in development yeah it's it's hopefully coming online it should be you know touch wood done by 2019 uh, which is a big year for us as well. It's actually 2019 is the centenary of Seamus Ennis' birth. He was born in 1919. Um, so we have a lot of events in the planning around that. Um, and obviously we're pushing towards that to make the place a bit more accessible for everybody. And, you know, and obviously pushing that information out as well over the next year. But it's just to make the place a dest- more of a destination that people know they can come here, they can park, they can have something to eat, they can get a bit of information, they can listen to some music, they can you know, enjoy some of our programme if they have the time. But that fact that they can pop in and, and use it as it's... I think there's a lot of... Uh, uh, sort of wouldn't have been a great thing to have over the last few years that the arts were sort of seen as an, not exclusive, but not for everybody. So part of our ambition or aim and has been developing over the last few years is to make the space accessible and that means not just for the, for the events but the space itself that it's a, it's a place that people want to come and engage with whatever is going on around the place be it food or music or, or even our little art gallery that we have here on site as well. Oh yeah, it's a fabulous little art gallery you have there. It used to be called the parlour, that room, or we maybe still do call it the parlour. Yeah, it's, it's sort of stuck. It was the old sort of parlour in the house, I suppose. Um, the house itself the, was the old post, post office, the Thatch College is at the front of our premises. Um, and it was renowned for music and dance going back over the decades. Um, and so it, it's great to see it become as because of through our involvement another community hub so that people gather here come here for even if they're not coming here for events that they meet here they get together here so the gallery has been a, a nice addition in that it's just an extra thing and again we've tried as much as possible to uh, exhibit local artists um, and artists within the context of what we're trying to do so and it, the, the exhibition changes every two months so there's always something new and it's free obviously admission so people can come in use the cafe have a wander around the gallery uh, and, and get to enjoy the, the what's hanging on the walls. 
Well, it is a very extensive programme that you have there. All the details are online because you've workshops as well. Like there was some, is there a growing herbs workshop? Did I see something about that? Yeah, we're very lucky with, uh, with the local uh, lady, Denise Dunn, who's uh, the herb garden. And she would sort of, it's, it's sort of, she's been expanding her outreach, if you like, and she's now using our premises to do her workshops where she would have done them on site in her own premises before because it's it's become uh, more popular for her. So she, she will use our facilities. Uh, and then we've, with Denise, we put in a small community herb garden which people are welcome to come in and, and you know, appreciate the herbs and use some of them as long as they don't raid it too much. And that's something we want to develop. Um, so hopefully, again, with this site that we're working with the council on behind us, and we plan to put in a bigger community garden, herb garden, and then out of that, then run more workshops, you know, around, just a, and again, appreciation of food and, and, and uh, give people more of a, you know, a choice of stuff. As I said, not that we're not just completely focused on what our main remit is, but that the place becomes a destination that they can come in and, and enjoy other things, you know. And we're lucky enough, as you said before, to have local producers, um, local food uh, aficionados if you want to put it that way and it's great to pull that into what you're doing because I mean everyone loves good food absolutely and I mean food good coffee music yeah. comedy that like, gets well worth the less than 10 minutes pull off the the M1 there so congratulations to you and all your your colleagues on developing such a fantastic venue I just love coming to visit places like this where there is a great sense of community and collaboration and Best of luck with the, the rest of the programme for 2018 and, of course, 2019, a very special year for you. And will you just tell the listeners what the website is so that they can go on and see full details about everything that you have to offer? So it's www.tseac. That's the Seamus Ennis Art Centre.ie. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time today, Sheen. Thanks, Sharon. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Great to talk to Shane and that brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thanks again to all of my guests who took the time to talk to me. Sam Gleeson, Kristen Jensen and Shane Parr. Thank you for listening and don't forget to get in touch anytime with your food and drink news, recipes and events. Email me on s.nunan at live.ie. Until next time, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit. <laughs>